Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? It'd be so awesome if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving Christian conversations. It's not a sermon, not a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to start conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Today's conversation is a conversation that I had with my favorite person in the whole world, my beautiful wife, Holly. Uh, We talk about what it's like being a ministry family, what it's like for her being a preacher's wife. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that it gives you a little bit of perspective into our world. Okay, so let's let's kind of walk through maybe not our timeline of preaching places that we've been, but just kind of our journey of learning how to be a preacher and a preacher's wife. So we've been married for 13 years. We just had our anniversary, right? 13 years. Mm-hmm. Our marriage is a teenager, as you put it, this mm-hmm. year. So, um, so we've been married for 13 years, and all of that time we've been in full-time ministry, first mm-hmm. youth ministry, and then preaching, and then back to youth ministry, now preaching again twice. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference, you think, between being a youth minister's wife and being the, the, the preacher's wife? I hate that idea of the preacher, but um, do you think there's a difference between being a youth minister's wife and being the preacher's wife? I think so, because when you're a youth minister's wife, you're tend People tend to think of you, I think, as, well, you're, you deal with the kids, you know, you're with the teenagers. And so if they need you, they'll come to you and uh, teenagers will talk to you, you know, or whatever. But if you're a preacher's wife, then it's like the whole congregation is, looks at you and tends to think of you as their lady. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So what kind of, like, what kind of expectations have you felt what kind of expectations have you felt since you became that, in, especially as a preacher's wife? Well, it's different depending upon where we've been. We've been at, I think we've been at every different size, every different level, I don't know, of congregations because we've been at the small ones, you know, 7,500 people. We've been at 250, 300, and now we're at a place about 1,000. Each place has different expectations that I put on myself and then different expectations I think that others expect of you. And so it it varies upon the size of congregation. Yeah, I think that's true of a preacher and I think that's true of a preacher's wife. So how, like, I guess as a preacher, we kind of know or I kind of know what people expect of me because it's in my job description. And Mm -hmm. so when I get a job, when they agree to support me, then they tell me this is what we expect you to do. But like you said, some of the expectations you put on yourself and some of them the congregation puts on you. So how do you know (laughs) what's what? How have people made you feel obligated to do certain things, you think? I don't know. I don't think, especially recently, I don't think it's a bad thing, maybe like, um, you know, asking me to teach a ladies Bible class a couple times a quarter or something. I think that was a good thing. I hope it was a good thing, (laughs) but 
I needed to do that anyway. You know, whether I'm a preacher's wife or not, I needed to step out of my comfort zone and do that anyway. And so I think that was a good expectation and one that I hopefully grew into well. I don't know. I don't know, just being there at different functions. And again, that's that's different, I think, with the size of congregation. You know, if at a smaller congregation, we were, you know, you were the secretary, you were the janitor, you were the preacher, you were the youth minister, you know, everything. And so I felt like kind of I had to do everything also with you to help out and be a part. Um, so would you say that... Uh that because you're high profile and people can see you, um, people are aware of you. You know, some people, it's easy for some people to just kind of slip in and slip out and, you know, they're there, but, you know, they are just kind of a wallflower and nobody kind of notices them and nobody thinks about asking them, hey, would you do this or would you do that? Maybe because you're you're present all the time, you're at every activity um, and you're at every worship service and people know who you are just because you're married to the preacher, that because of that high profile, that that may be one reason why preacher's wives get asked to do more than maybe another member because they don't have the ability to hide behind others. Right. Yeah. Everyone wants to see who the preacher's wife is and see who the preacher preacher's kids are and what they look like and how they conduct themselves. And, and so, yeah, you're you're there. <laughs> so hmm. let's talk about when we tried out. So that's an interesting thing that other, other professions, and I hate thinking of preaching as a profession, it's a lifestyle, but you know, I, other professions don't have to go through what preachers have to go through when they start a new work. So when preachers start a new work, usually we go to, you know, there's been lots of conversations ahead of time and, you know, everybody's been talking and, and, but then there's that moment where you go for a Sunday, quote unquote, tryout. And, you know, I mean, we're looking at the congregation as much as they're looking at us and we're trying to evaluate, can we find friends here? Will we be supported here and loved? I mean, supported emotionally, you know, will, will we be affirmed and helped and encouraged? And, you know, are these the kinds of uh, people that we can grow with and and that can grow with our family and that will love us and, you know, all those things. Uh, but they're looking at us like under a microscope mm-hmm. and you know that mm-hmm. and you're being evaluated. So let's talk about that. I mean, thankfully, I guess we didn't have kids most of the t- Well, I guess we've had several tryouts. Well, just two, just Abilene in here that we've had mm-hmm. kids when we tried out at places because when we went to Hot Springs, we didn't really try out. So Um, and then before that we didn't have kids. So yeah, that's true. We didn't have kids when we went to hot springs. So we've really only done that twice with kids, but I mean, let's talk about what's, what that, what that's like when you go and you try out at a place and you're trying to. Okay. So the first time the boys were four and one when we tried out at Abilene and they had a big picnic for us and with all the deacons and elders and, and everything. And that was, this was the first time. We, like you said, that we had kids that we were trying out a place. And so the boys were, you know, they didn't want to sit still. And anyway, so that was different because I had to go chase kids while I'm trying to meet people and mm. and make an impression. And um, yeah, so that was, that was stressful. I didn't know kind of what to do. Should I, you know, chase the boys around the whole backyard or should I just sit here and visit with people or... <laughs> 
my attentions were divided. <laughs> and there's really nothing that you can compare that to outside of ministry. I mean, there's there's nothing. I don't think I, there's very little that you can compare that to because mm-hmm. with ministry, you you're already that that interview process or you know tryout process is is different anyway because you have you almost have to tell your the congregation you're leaving that hey we're we're actually thinking about this other work or we're you know trying out over here or whatever so so we've always told our elders at the previous congregation you know that we're we're thinking about you know maybe making a change and you know I hate even talking about it I know it's, it's just, horrible it's just an awful it's like a breakup experience it's, it's just not awful. you it's me you know it's yeah so I mean it's awful and that that part's awful but but you're we're we're fairly confident this is going to work out mm-hmm. or else we wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So we're confident that we're going to go there. But but then we know somewhere in the back of our mind that if if the kids, you know, make a horrible impression yeah. or we make a horrible impression as parents or something like that. And again, we're just normal people. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, like, if we had never if we'd never gone through that if we would even comprehend what that was like, because I mean, other people meet people for the first time and they try to make a good impression, but it's like, yeah, but our livelihood depends yeah, on us. Break it. Yeah. Right. If we act like we're total fools in front of everyone, then uh, you know, who might, who knows what will happen <laughs> yeah. to that job opportunity or it's very, very stressful thing. Yeah. And thankfully it's always gone well. And I mean, yes, yes. but it, the, the stress and, but, but that's the thing is that I know for a lot of preaching families, a lot of ministry families, it hasn't gone well, you know, and, and they'll get to a place and maybe his sermon was great and the class was great. And, uh, but, but they, you know, the kids, whatever, or the wife, whatever. And, you know, and it's so arbitrary. It's not like, like they have a checklist of Mm -hmm. things. It's just like, well, I got a bad impression about them or, Mm -hmm. you know, I just didn't like the way they handled this or that, you know, and it, and it's fair or unfair. I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's better to find out then that it would be mm-hmm. a year later after you move your family there. And so it's it's always better to, you know, not make a an arrangement and then it fall through than to mm-hmm. make an arrangement and move everybody. And then, hey, that didn't work out. But but at the same time, I mean, just that that microscope. But it doesn't. And for a lot of and I mean, we've been so blessed. And that, I think that above everything. That's what I want to get across today is that we've been so blessed, but I've heard so many horror stories from my friends in ministry that it's just, it, it's unfair the way that they've had to live under a microscope mm-hmm. and not only live and feel like, and, and have the stress of being under a microscope, but, but, but even being called out by thing about things that other members wouldn't be that this mm-hmm. unfair standard that people have to deal with um, because they're they're in that role and even the way you know a wife keeps house and I mean mm-hmm. like that that's an interesting subject the parsonage you know I mean mm-hmm. when you live we've only done that once but you know living in the church's house it I mean it it's just a weird feeling mm-hmm. you know you feel like you're 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 living in the church building mm-hmm. to some extent yeah but I mean I mean when you're living in a house that belongs to the church, then you feel like, I mean, like even just the the lawn care. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like if I didn't, if I didn't mow and weed eat the day I was supposed to, and if it got a little bit long, I mean, not only is it a, you know, quote unquote, poor reflection on me, but it, it reflects on the church itself. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of stuff like mm-hmm. that, that, you know, I mean, it's just. And thankfully we didn't, I guess, thankfully. Thankfully, we didn't have kids back then or else the house would have always been a mess. <laughs> but, you know, 
probably I felt it was a long time ago, but I'm sure I felt, you know, I better keep this clean, you know, because in case one of the elders stops by or, you know, suddenly they have a meeting, a congregational meeting at our house or something. Yeah. The household had to be clean. And I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, as Christians, you know, mi casa, su casa, you know, everybody, we, you know, we should feel like our house or our car or whatever is at the disposal of the church. But I mean, you especially feel like that when you live in a parsonage because, I mean, it really does belong to them. And you feel like if they come by, you're you're obligated to like invite them in and, you know, mm-hmm. show them around or whatever mm-hmm. because it's it's not your house, it's theirs, you know. And so, I mean, that's just, it's just an interesting relationship. It's not bad. It's not unfair. It's not whatever. I mean, they're they're supporting you and mm-hmm. they're, they're taking care of you so that you can uh, preach the gospel. It's an awesome thing, but it's just, uh, I think it's just something that churches have to be aware that uh, and communicate well. You know, they have to be able to say, hey, listen, we know mm-hmm. that you're normal people and we know that your kids make messes just like our kids. Mm-hmm. And we know that they disobey and they throw fits and, you know, that they, uh, that they're going to stain the carpet or they're going to whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we understand that and we get that and we wouldn't have invited you here if we if we weren't okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to establish that at the beginning, both as the preacher and the, the eldership, to say, you know, to set kind of the ground rules. I don't know if that's the right word, but, yeah. you know, okay, we were thinking, you know, the house kind of be off limits during the week or during the, you know, I don't know, yeah. during the evenings or during the weekends, the house is ours or, you know, we will open the house this time. Yeah. I don't know. Just set, be up front at the very beginning. Yeah. I think that that's the key with, with everything is just because so many times, and I think you said it well earlier that, that, uh, you put expectations on yourself and you feel like they expect something or I do, I'm not just saying you, but Mm -hmm. you know, we feel like a congregation expects something of us and maybe they don't. Maybe that's just in our imagination. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because we saw somebody else, some other preacher did that or mm-hmm. some other preacher's wife did such and such. And so we feel like every congregation expects that of their preacher or their preacher's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you communicate that and you ask, you know, hey, do you expect this? Is right. this what you're thinking? Or what are you thinking? Right. Maybe it's and better. I think you open-ended. get those as you go, you learn what questions to ask and yeah. what questions to address at the very beginning before you even start a job, a ministry. Um, and so like, if you're just starting out, maybe ask another older preacher's family, you know, what, what are some questions that you would suggest that we ask the eldership, you know, before we start this ministry and if it needs to be addressed, it needs to be addressed and you don't need to be afraid of the elders and they don't need to be afraid of you. And, um, if they, if you're already afraid to ask the elders a question or anything, then, that might not be a good fit for you. Right. So let's go back to the idea of uh, friendships, because I think that that's what a lot of people wonder about and, you know, ask about. Um, and, and frankly, I mean, that's, that has been one of our biggest concerns. I wouldn't say it's been one of our biggest struggles, but it's something that we're aware of that mm-hmm. it's hard to make genuine friendships in a congregation um, but I think I think you're better at that than I am. I think you're way better at that than I am at just going to do stuff with women in the congregation and you put it together, not because you're the preacher's wife, but mm-hmm. just because they're your friends and you text 
ladies in the congregation and you go hang out and you go see a movie or you have them over to the house and you watch a movie mm-hmm. and you do that kind of stuff and it's not ministry for you. It's just life mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. I mean, it is ministry, but you don't do it because you have to. Um, but when I do it, I tend to do it because I want to minister to those men and I feel like I have to and it's more mm-hmm. of an obligation. And I look for those relationships that I don't feel that way about, mm-hmm. but I have a really hard time not feeling that way about a relationship. And I think you have a, you, you do a better job of that than I do. Well, you just have to do it. Just do it. Like, yeah. like what? Do what? Just go out with, make a play date, if you will. <laughs> but how do you, how do you not think of it like you're working? You just don't think of it like you're working. Yeah. I mean, you just go and you just enjoy being with other people and just, Enjoy yourself. Yeah. And, and I let guess, it go. I guess that's just a personal hang up of mm-hmm. mine that No. It's just But do you do you how do you how do you evaluate whether or not you can kind of put your guard down whether or not this is the kind of person that uh you can you can have that kind of a relationship with or if it's somebody that you kind of have to keep your guard up and you kind of have to minister to them rather than just being friends and just kind of being Holly. I don't know. You just know. I don't know. I know that's vague, (laughs) but I don't know. You just know. For me, it's, it's the preacher jokes. You know, it's like, when when people make jokes about well I can't do that around the preacher or oh I shouldn't say that you're the preacher or you know or well you're the preacher you only work a day a week you know whatever I mean it's mm-hmm. the preacher jokes they don't bother me at all mm-hmm. but it it just says to my subconscious well, okay well they they see me as the preacher they don't see me as their friend they don't see me as Wes mm-hmm. they just see me as the preacher and so mm-hmm. or if, or if whenever you're around them they just ask questions about yeah Bible stuff which yeah is good they need to ask questions, you know, but it's like, well, I just want to hang out right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, cause it's like, there's nothing in the world I would rather talk about than spiritual things. Right. I mean, I, I love that right. with every fiber of my being, but, but there's that's a, not, but that's not all you are. Yeah. And there's a difference between like having a discussion about it and like somebody like, so I was thinking about Romans 10 last week and mm-hmm. you know, what's your opinion on this? You know, there's a difference between like, it's almost like, I'm sure doctors feel that way when when they're hanging out with somebody and they're like, I've got this weird growth on my toe, you know, and it's like nobody wants to, it's different between saying, man, medicine has come a long way and Mm -hmm. let's talk about medicine Mm -hmm. because I'm sure they're passionate about Mm -hmm. it, but they don't want to be diagnosing your problems all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I just keep thinking about, you can tell if a person is a gossip or not. And Mm. so I, you know, I can say, okay, well, I won't be telling her any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can tell that right away. You know, I mean, I think right away, but. Yeah. If somebody will talk about someone else to you, then you they will talk about you to someone else. Right. And you know that and you're like, right. oh, I can't trust yeah. them because they're right now divulging secrets and, mm-hmm. and gossiping about somebody Mental else. Mental note. Don't ever tell her anything. <laughs> yeah. And so you know that, okay, when I'm around her, then I can't let anything slip, you know, or anything. Yeah. So do, that's a, that's a loaded question, I guess. But I mean, do you think that men are better at 
that part of it or that women are worse at that part of it? Do you think that it's more of a problem when a bunch of women get together? Oh, yeah. That you have to be more careful about what you say? Because, For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, so I guess that's never really my, one of my worries is, you know, that's funny because that, that's what you're saying is one of your biggest worries is I might say something because that, I mean, you kind of have to guard me you know, mm-hmm. so if you say, if you do what I suspect, I've never been around just a bunch of women, but I suspect women get together and talk about their husbands and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of vent and. Which is not right. Okay, right. And you're very By passionate <laughs> about saying that to people. Um, but, you know, you have to, you can't right. join even, in that. Yeah. Even if I wanted to say something bad about my husband, I definitely can't because he's their preacher. Right. And. You know, and even if you were just, I don't know, having a conversation, I mean, because I, I don't think it's always wrong to say, you know what, we, we go th- through that too. So, if, mm-hmm. I mean, if you had a, a friend that was having a hard time in their marriage and, you know, they had, you know, disagreements about such and such mm-hmm. and for you oh, yeah. to, you know, commiserate with them and say, well, yeah, we, we go through that too. You know, Wes, you know, had this or mm-hmm. talks about this or thinks this or whatever. Um, so you could commiserate with somebody about you know, our marriage or about, you know, whatever. Um, but if somebody was, had loose lips and they would talk mm-hmm. about it, then you can't do that because, mm-hmm. you know, that could be detrimental to us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that somebody asked on Facebook when you posed, when you asked for questions for this podcast, one of the questions was, um, how do you not let, other ladies feel left out mm-hmm. like if you have a group of friends that you do stuff with how do you not let other ladies feel left out um and so i try not to post pictures or post names like on facebook you know that hey i had a great time with sally and jill and Susie tonight you know because i mean that would hurt my feelings just you know oh well i'm glad she had a good time but i wish i went with her you know yeah um and I just try to say hi to everyone, you know, when I see them and um, just be available to all. Yeah. And one thing that you've always done a really good job of, because we've been on both sides of that, we've been the people that other people have kind of made plans with. And they're like, hey, Wes mm-hmm. and Holly, let's go have a burger after church tonight. Mm-hmm. And we're aware of the fact that there's another couple standing right there that didn't get invited um, and it's hard to invite somebody to something you were invited to if you weren't the one organizing it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have noticed that. And we've been on the other end. We've we've been the couple that didn't get invited when other people did. And so you're really good at not making plans to go do something in front of a lot of people. So you won't do that like in a Bible class or, mm-hmm. you know, in, a, in the foyer or whatever. You'll wait and do that privately. Not only not talk about it on social media, but not... Um, not make plans in front of other people that might overhear and mm-hmm. feel left out. And I think that's important for everyone to do. Yeah. But probably even more so as the preacher's family. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, let's talk about preacher's kids. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obviously, there's obviously a lot of pressure. There's obviously not, I wouldn't say pressure. I, I think that that, again, I think yeah. that that's, that's perceived or that's something we put on ourselves. Um, so I wouldn't say pressure necessarily, but I would say 
that they're always watching. Yeah, a now, microscope. Yeah. yeah, and people will say things, and they don't mean anything by it, and it, it is fine. I mean, they're not doing it on purpose, but they'll say, yeah, I noticed Malachi did this during worship, or I noticed, mm-hmm. you know, so that it's like, yeah, so I just have it in the back of my mind. I know that people mm-hmm. are watching our family throughout service, and I would do the exact same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I would absolutely do the same thing. So, you know, it's it's just funny how... Preachers, families, you do not have to sit on the front row. <laughs> My, Malachi, for some reason, Malachi is our oldest son, and he loves to sit on the front row, and I'm not sure why, but uh, when he comes with me by himself to first service, he will often beg me to sit on the front row, and I'm not sure why, because he's a pretty shy kid, mm-hmm. and when he sits on the front row, because it curves around the mm-hmm. stage, then everyone can see him the entire time, but he's okay with that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with little kids, you don't have to sit on the front row. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's funny. One of my biggest concerns is that uh, that people will ask them about being preachers when they grow up, because we have two sons, and you know that, and and people already say that to me. I don't know if they say that to the boys or not, but they say it to me. They say, well, "Are you, you your boys going to be preachers when they grow up?" And you know, I'm always quick to say, "I don't care what they do as long as they're Christians." You know, I don't care that they, you know, in fact. I, I don't think anybody should go into full-time ministry unless that's the only thing in the world they can do, if that's the only thing they're passionate about and they want to do that above everything else. Because if you if you have kind of divided loyalties and you're like, well, I could do this and I could do that or I could preach, then you should probably go do this other things because eventually you'll you'll burn out. You, you won't want to do this for the rest of your life if there's other things that you could do or should do or want to do or whatever. Um, so I don't want the boys feeling any kind of pressure that says you should be a preacher like your dad when you grow up. Um, and so I, I really want to avoid them hearing that growing up. And and so far, I mean, neither of them, they may have said a few times that they want to be preachers, but, you know, it kind of is a fleeting thing. And I, I don't I don't want that to be a pressure that they feel. Mm-hmm. I think we've tried really hard to never tell them well you have to do this because you're the preacher's kids Mm. and you have to act this way because you're the preacher's kids i might think it (laughs) but i try really hard not to say it because i that's not fair to them you know they should just be kids and uh, and everyone is watching them and i think they'll they know that or i I think it'll become even more obvious as they get older Mm -hmm. as they're teenagers that wow everyone's watching what i do and everybody cares about me and cares like what I do and I hope that doesn't get worse but do you think that they're aware of that right now I don't know that they are maybe they are I think they do know it but I think it'll become even more and more obvious as they get bigger yeah and I I think one of the nice things about being in a congregation as big as ours is that um, a lot of people a lot of kids I mean I think almost all the adults know that those are our kids Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a lot of the kids don't know mm-hmm. that the guy standing up in the front is the dad of the kid in their Bible class. Right. And so, and, and in fact, I'm sure that there's people that pass you in the hall, um, at the church building Probably. that have no idea that you're my <laughs> wife, mm-hmm. um, that I, there's a lot of people that have never had a conversation with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, it, that's just the, the, the way it is in a congregation this size. So there is a little bit of anonymity that they get to enjoy right mm-hmm. now that I think as they get older though, people will be more aware that, Oh, those are the preacher's kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll be more aware that, Oh, I've got this 
this extra pressure on me. And I think right now they kind of like it. You know, they kind of like, you know, when daddy mentions me in the sermon. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They like that. But eventually they'll realize that there are kind of negatives that go along with it too, I think. Mm -hmm. I think people want to know based on some of the questions that they were asking, you know, what, what can, and, and thankfully, I mean, most of those people aren't members here, so it's not like personal stuff, but you know, what can, what can congregation members do to encourage their preacher or their preacher's wife or their preacher's kids or, you know, what can they do? What do they need to be aware of? And again, just thinking outside of our own personal experience and, you know, different preacher stories that we know and have heard of and ministry stories that we've heard of, you know, what can people do to uh, be aware of and minister to and just say the right things and do the right things to encourage and be there for their preacher and their preacher's family? I think recognizing when things might be difficult for them, like, I don't know, one lady a few months ago said to me, wow, Wes has gone a lot this month, you know, I bet that's really hard. Thank you. Yes, it is hard. And thank you for realizing that and recognizing that and telling me that you that you know that it's hard <laughs> for us. Just um, even little notes like that, even little comments like that, that, well, thank you, you know, it must be a hard job or it must be hard to have your husband away all the time or. Yeah, I mean, when people empathize with with you and they they recognize things like that, it, it the, the little... And again, we don't, we, we've had it so, so easy. And so we've been so blessed by every congregation we've been at. So it's not necessarily us, but I know that so many preacher friends, I mean, they hear things all the time, like, well, you just work one day a week and well, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we pay the preacher too much. And if you can drive a car like that, you know, we must be paying you too much. And, you know, all these little comments that, that my preacher friends, you know, get all the time and, and people are, some of them are joking and some of them halfway joking and halfway Mm -hmm. serious. And then the wife feels that pressure and the family feels that pressure too, that, you know, you, you, you can't drive the car that you want or go on the vacation that you want or, you know, whatever, because people think you have some kind of a cushy job where you get paid too much and everybody is critical about your, your income or your spending or your, you know, the time that you spend doing this, that, or the other but when people, you know, really pay attention, they realize that most preachers are making it on very, very little and are having to scrimp and save and cut corners and all these things and are working unbelievable hours most of the time and doing stuff that most people have no idea about. But if if people just pay attention and then and recognize that and just just show just a little bit of appreciation to their preacher or their preacher's family and just or understanding say, even. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. recognizing. Mm-hmm. And and we again we've we've had so many people that do recognize that and mm-hmm. very seldom have been given a hard time about anything, right. even jokingly. So I'm not saying that about us, but I'm saying that, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't give them a hard time. I mean that those kind of jokes, even if even if you're just kidding, even if you don't mean it and you you really do appreciate your preacher. Don't joke around like that because mm-hmm. I mean nobody nobody would want that. You know, I mean if if you worked at a grocery store and you were a checker and 
you know, somebody said, well, I, I, I shop here, so I kind of pay your salary. And I, I saw that car you're driving outside. It looks a little mm-hmm. too nice for somebody who works at a grocery yeah, store. Yeah. I mean, it'd be awful. I mean, you wouldn't mm-hmm. say that to anybody, anybody in the mm-hmm. world. You wouldn't say, hey, you're the mayor of this town, and, you know, we, mm-hmm. we pay your salary. You're, our taxes pay your salary, and I can't believe you're driving the car you're driving. You know, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. It's rude. Even just joking, mm-hmm. that's rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but but preachers have to put up with that all the time. And and their families have to put up with that. And then so a preacher doesn't buy his wife the nice thing that she deserves and that he should buy her because he's afraid of what the congregation would say about it. Or he mm-hmm. doesn't, he lets her drive around in a jalopy when he could buy her a better car, but he's afraid that the congregation will criticize him or they don't take vacation or he doesn't take his day off. Man, how many preachers, and I admit I've been guilty too, of not taking the day off that we should because... We want to impress people or because, you know, mm-hmm. we're afraid that people, um, you know, will criticize us for taking, you know, not being in the office or whatever. And uh, and, it, and it's because of those little those little comments that are just kind of said in jest a lot. Um, but but they add up and it, it you develop this complex where you're always thinking, well, I just I don't know how, what people think about this. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have that mm-hmm. that added pressure. Right. Okay, so if you were going to advise a young lady who is going to marry somebody who is a minister or is going to go into full-time ministry, what would you say to advise a young woman who is going to be doing what you've done for the last 13 years? I would say just be you. Mm. Um, Sometimes, of course, you'll have to step out of your comfort zone and you need to. And, but as Christians, we should be doing that anyway. Do what needs to be done, whether it's our favoriteest thing to do or not. We just need to do it. But, but then again, just just be you and don't feel like you have to live up to the former preacher's wife or live up to your favorite preacher's wife that you had growing up or anything like that. Just just be you and be the mom that you need to be. Be the mom that you are. Be the wife that you are just because you're a wife. Um, Don't gossip to anybody. We shouldn't be gossiping anyway. But, um, you know, if you need a vent sometimes, maybe call your mom or call somebody that lives, one of your friends that lives in a different town or something. But there's no place for that in your congregation. Remember that you can say no. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to be at everything, every event. Um, go to as much as you can, but you don't have to be at everything. Um, be flexible. Your husband might be called out in the middle of supper, and the husband might be called out at bedtime when you're putting the kids to bed, and you have to do it on your own now, but you just have to deal with it. You have to be flexible. And I would recommend opening up your home. I think that's important for people to see your home and they want to know that you're real and that's a good opportunity to do that and to share what you've been given also. And then um, try to become friends with the elders and the elders' wives. Have a good relationship with them and don't look at them as your bosses or thing, anything like that, but just be friends with them and you know, you're in this together and you're serving the church and you're serving the kingdom together and um, hopefully you can have good relationships with them. That's what I would tell a lady like that. <laughs> That's really good. Another thing that that I wonder how preachers' wives deal with 
and you haven't had to deal with it very much in the congregation, I guess at all really in the congregation, but we have had to deal with it a little bit, I guess online because mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously uh, I have a presence online, you know, I write and record stuff like this and different things. And so when you put things out there, when you say things, when you teach, when you um, kind of share your thoughts, you're going to have critics and some uh, more vocal than others and some meaner than others. And we've had some that, you know, it's kind of funny, um, but it's not, it's sad. Um, but we've had some critics. So how do you, how do you feel about that? How do you deal with that when somebody is criticizing your husband? Because I can't imagine how I would feel or what I would do if, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, if it was somebody criticizing you, I mean, I don't want to go down their throat, you know? Right. Well, that's how I want to feel too. That's how I feel too. You know, if you attack me, that's one thing, but if you attack my boys or my husband, that's a completely different thing. And better watch out you know (laughs) um but of course we have to do it in a christian way but yeah when you've when people have said things about you online and then i just want to i want to get back at them (laughs) and say you know well oh yeah well (laughs) but you can't obviously and so i just say nothing and do nothing and it's really hard, but that is best for everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if it was, I don't know if it was in person and if it was someone in the congregation, that would be different too, I think. So I don't know. You'd just have to love them and you'd have to be friendly to them, but you don't have to spend time with them. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I keep thinking about is these these people that have these problem members that have been critical or, you know, even try to get them fired or, or whatever. And we've just, we've never had to deal with that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a really hard time knowing, I mean, we've had critical people, I guess. I mean, people that have mm-hmm. criticized sermons or whatever, but I mean, just no, n- never anybody that uh, has tried to, oh yeah. People that have criticized other things like my facial hair or, you know, whatever. But uh, you know, it, you just kind of, I just kind of let it roll off my back and it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me, but I've never, but there are some people that have to deal with incredibly, incredibly critical people and people that have made their life miserable. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you deal with that, especially as a spouse, but I found, you know, when they've criticized me that when I've been, extraordinarily friendly with them Mm -hmm. it has usually resulted in in those passionate criticisms (laughs) dying down Mm -hmm. um, very quickly because I want to avoid them I mean that's my tendency Mm -hmm. is to just avoid them and not and not go around them or not you know seek them out to shake their hand Mm -hmm. but I I don't know for whatever reason I've always you know gone and you know forced myself to shake their hand and say, how are you? Good to see you, brother. You know, and just been overly friendly and overly kind and overly nice to them. And it usually results in, in those criticisms going down. But my, my heart breaks for, you know, the families that, that they can't do that with and that have people that are just relentless in trying to get them fired or um, trying to undermine everything that they say and do. And mm-hmm. that's incredibly difficult to deal yeah. with. 
imagine. Mm-hmm. I think like anything else, there's stages of your life, obviously, and then there's those will also relate to the stages of life in your ministry. Right. And so, you know, at our first job ministry, you know, we were newlyweds pretty much still and had, you know, no no kids or anything. And so that was one stage and different, you know, and you could do more things and then you could do more things together, help each other out. And, and then kids come along and so that changes everything, obviously, but... Um, and so I know that when the boys leave, get out of the house, my role will change again, you know, not only as a wife and as a mom, but also as a preacher's wife. And so it'll look completely different. I know in a few years and it's kind of scary, but you know, I wonder what it will look like, but each stage is different. And so whatever stage of life you're in, your role will look different as a preacher's wife too. And I think that that's incredibly important for the preacher, too, because I have a tendency to judge my ministry based on what older preachers are doing. And I think a lot of young preachers have the same situation where we look at what older preachers are doing and say, well, they do this. And I mean, they're making this many hospital visits and this Mm -hmm. many Bible studies Mm -hmm. and this many, Mm -hmm. you know, sermons and they record this and they do this and they do that. Um, But they don't have little kids at home either, you know, and so it's different and we can't we end up sacrificing our families trying to live out a ministry that someone else is doing at a different stage in their life Mm -hmm. and a different stage of their family's life. And so I think that that's true not only for preachers, but also for preacher's wives. It's really easy for a young preacher's wife to look at an older preacher's wife and say, well, she does all of this. Mm -hmm. And she always has people in her home and Mm -hmm. she's always making, you know, banana bread for the shut-ins mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. And, and she doesn't have little kids. And it's not to say if you have little kids, you can't do anything because you do right. tons, but you, you just have to, like you said earlier, you have to be you and you have to do what you can do and you have to do what's appropriate for your, your personality and your stage in life mm-hmm. and your stage of your family and, and not try to imitate, you know, not trying to be somebody else. And especially if they're at a different stage in life than you are. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this encouraging and I hope you'll subscribe and maybe give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.